The public has had a long-held fascination with detectives. Detectives see a side of life the average person is never exposed to. I spent 34 years as a cop. For 25 of those years, I was catching killers. That's what I did for a living. I was a homicide detective. I'm no longer just interviewing bad guys. Instead, I'm taking the public into the world in which I operated. The guests I talk to each week on the I Catch Killers podcast have amazing stories from all sides of the law. The interviews are raw and honest, just like the world they inhabited. No one who steps into the world of crime comes out unchanged. Join me now while I take you into this world. This episode of I Catch Killers contains conversations that some listeners may find confronting or triggering. Discretion is advised. Welcome back to part two of my chat with Luke Kennedy. By Luke's own admission, he was not a nice person for a period of his life. To describe him as a thug is probably being kind. But this is a story of redemption, and this part we're going to find out how Luke changed his ways. Welcome back, Luke. Thank you, mate. Um... I just before we 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 move on, I, one thing that uh, jumped out and it was just a small quote uh, in uh, in your book or one of the uh, many talks that you've given. You said uh, fighting is like active meditation, um, and that was at the time when you were call, causing problems. It, I interpret that it was like your comfort zone or whatever. What what was the meaning of that? Yeah, I had some demons back then. With, yeah, you know, paranoia thoughts and suffering. And it was like when I was fighting, there was a, like a presence. There was a, there was no there was no noise. Yeah, it was like a I suppose a it expelled it extinguished mm. uh, my anxiety if, at the time. It was like yep. it was like letting off that that steam. And it was the only way I knew how to do that back then. The only way I knew how to deal with my uh, my I suppose my emotions and the the suffering was through. Yeah, through drowning them through fights, drugs, or alcohol. Yeah, when you uh, the, the trip to um, Thailand, and we'll talk about that. But before you uh, you got back into boxing, was that before or after the Thailand trip? Where was the wake up call? Before, before, but the trip to Thailand was before. Oh, sorry, the, the boxing, boxing was before. Thailand. Was before. So talk to us about that because that was a um, a sort of watershed moment in your life when you were starting to realise what you were doing was a dead end. Uh, thing, and you you walked away and got back into uh, boxing or got into boxing. Got into boxing. Yeah. Boxing saved my life. Yeah, yes, it did. Because being overweight, I, you know, the first step really was uh, getting a job. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a that's a good start. <laughs> it was. Sadly, most people have to work at some stage in their life. That's right. Yeah. And, but you know, and talking about you know, I suppose young men in particular being impressed by that world. I thought being in that world of fighting and crime I, was, I thought that was strength i thought that was tough yeah you know but the the real strength and being a real man is getting up each day uh, yep. grinding you know grinding and pushing past i suppose ne- your negative beliefs opening up about i suppose your your struggles and working and supporting a family yeah you know that's being a man being yeah. a man and so i getting the job Gave me some structure and discipline. You yeah. know, I lacked it back then. I'd eat whenever I want, go to bed whenever I want, wake up whenever I want. And I was nearly 130 kilos at this stage, massive guy. 
you know, no, no muscles, just like chips and gravy and Bundy rum. That, so that, that was, <laughs> but and that was that was just a beast of well, as was described, the, the wrecking ball. That's right. Yeah. So getting the job gave me some structure and discipline. I made a little change. I stopped eating takeaways, started packing my own lunch. Yep. And those little changes, you know, I even speak to the students and everybody. Those little changes are the are the biggest ones, but we've got to make them even s- simply as I don't know reading instead of telly. Yeah, a little change. Going yeah. to bed earlier, hang out with that person, not that person. Simple yeah. things. Simple things. Can that's right. Make a huge difference for sure. Because it's simple things that that led me down that path. It can be the simple things that lead me out. So I've started losing a bit of weight with that. And I then I'd walk home from the station instead of getting mum to pick me up. <laughs> Again, little little things. <laughs> little things. Yeah. Lost a bit of weight. Then I'd get home. I'll go out into the backyard. We had a gym in the in the garage, just some a couple of things. Yeah. But I didn't want anybody. To, uh, my, you know, my I suppose my worrying what people think and my anxieties. I didn't want people to see me training, so I do it secretly. And, and because your you, your father was a boxer and uh, and your older brother, so you yes. had a bit of a reputation to live up to. That's right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So they were both boxers, and they'd, they'd always try to get me into boxing. But yeah. being in that world and just being overweight, the yeah. idea of going for a run just no, I wasn't having it. But yeah, losing a bit of weight, I started feeling a bit more confident. Then I started running home instead of instead of walking. Get home, lift a bit of weights. Then started doing a bit of boxing with dad. He was he used to hold the pads for me. You know, then I ended up losing close to about thirty kilos. I said to my dad, "Dad, I want to, you know, I want to box, I want to fight." Yeah. He's like, you've got to go to a boxing gym. You know, it's great that you're doing it here, but you've got to get into it. And I'm like, ah, oh, can't you just train me? I want you to. Yeah. My, I didn't want to step into that world. I pictured like again yeah. all the warrior yeah. men there, punching holes in each other. And so, I end up going to the gym with my brother, um, and the trainer was Alan Sykes, a great oh, right. man. Yep. He's he's struggling a bit now with with his health, but he's an incredible man. He was a big part of of turning my life around. So we we he got started training me. End up losing fifty kilos. That's that's a hell of a lot. So you went from to what let what weight were you? It was about one twenty five eighty. Yeah, one twenty five, and I got down to middleweight seventy five. Right. Okay. It was tough getting those yeah. last few kilos off. Yeah. I'm, I'm the six two. You yeah. know, it was tough yeah. getting those last. Jesus, you would have been a whippet. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But I was, I, I was, I, it was, my, I was an extreme. I was like, this is it. This yeah. is this is my path. So I started boxing, but a big big part of the change as well. I, my dad's friend, uh, a great mentor of mine growing up, his name is Frank Keane. He's yep. passed on now, a good Aboriginal man. He's yep. good friends with Johnny too. Right. Incredible man. He gave me a book called The Way of the Peaceful Warrior, I think it was called. Yeah. So he gave me this book. He could see the, the path I was going down and I was sort of on the, you know, turning it around but still yep. still carrying on, turning around. So he gives me this book. So I read the first chapter and I was talking about the universe and Very. what you attract and all this sort of stuff. I'm like, what's this shit? So I give it to a mate of mine who I used to play sport with, who wasn't in the crew or anything. He used to talk about the universe and all yeah. this jazz. So I go, you got to read this book, bro. He goes, did you read it? I said, yeah, I read it. It's all about the universe and stuff. So I lied. <laughs> but that Christmas, he gives me another book. He goes, because you read that book, you're ready for this. He gives me a book called The Power of Now by yeah. Eckhart Tolle. I read a little bit of that and it was just a bunch of words to me. I had no idea about it. But then later through my boxing, getting some spare time, I picked it back up and yeah. it and it changed the game for me. Right. That one book that one the boxing and, and that book changed my life. Changed the outlook. Yes. Yeah. What it did, it made me realize about the true self and the false self, about how I picked up all these these labels growing up, these identities, these insecurities, these doubts, picked it made me realize the past stuff I was blaming for or I couldn't do something today. Yeah. And by becoming aware of that 
and becoming aware, you know, it talks about presence and I didn't really understand what that meant, but it spoke about the past is mind made, the future is mind made, the only thing that is real is now. As, okay. And, yeah. and when I grasped that and just really felt that for the first time, mm. the, the present moment, and just really felt into presence and looked around, it was like I was seeing everything for the first time. Yeah, that's a, was that's out of amazing, my head. isn't it? Yeah. But it's just changing your outlook. Yes. on the, the way that you're looking at things and the big difference it can make. That's right. That's right. And that right there, the presence allowed me to step further into my boxing and because even when I was getting out of uh, getting out of the crew, you know, I'd get out for a bit, but then I'd fall back. And, and don't get, some of these guys, they're, they're great men. They've, they've, yeah. They're doing some incredible things now. They're, they're great men. But I'd fall back in and carry on myself. You know, yeah. I'd, I'd fall, get out, fall back in. So the boxing and then the, the presence and the understanding of self and the self-awareness. And then I competed for the first time in boxing. I remember, you know, everybody was there. It was, yeah. All the boys were there. All the family were there. And a, lot after, of, a lot of pressure. Oh, huge. <laughs> huge amount of pressure. But I, you know, stepped up obviously. And my dad growing up, Always said, you know, every young man should jump in the ring and, and have a fight. Yeah. It teaches you so much about life. It teaches you, you know, to discipline. It teaches you you have to give up certain foods, stop hanging out with certain peeps. You've got to uh, – it teaches you goal setting. And once you're in that ring, uh, there's there's no excuses. He yeah. always said if, if you, you get in that ring, if you come back out, I don't want to hear any excuses because we'd always – you know, some guys would get in the ring and come out, oh, it's because I, I did sand dunes yesterday. Oh, it's because I did that. I, I, I had a, a, a person I became very close with over in Western Australia, uh, Dave Letizia, and uh, he would say before a fight, he'd know if his fighters, how they were going to go if they were making excuses. Yes. And he said, and, so and he's so, so true. And it's like, it's uh, similar to life. You're making excuses. So he, he'd say, if someone turned up and said, oh, look, I've got a sore hand or I'm feeling I've got the flu <laughs> as you get before a fight. He would go. They're, they're not committed to this. He wanted the ones that could have a broken hand, but wouldn't even mention it. You're right to go one hundred percent. That's right. It, it's again a simple philosophy that, but carries very true in life. Yes, yes. And that fight after that fight, you know, I didn't do the best. Like I won. Yeah. Uh, I, but I didn't didn't fight the best. I, I still had a lot to learn. Had my second fight, third fight. Life was set. Yep. Then I joined the navy. Right. So I saw it as, as this proud career, something yep. that could really make really me focus. get you straightened out. Correct, yes. So I joined the Navy. There were some issues with my record at the start, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> supply references. Oh, I was a li little bit wild as a young fellow. <laughs> yeah. Supply, supply references, get in. A few months from going into training, life was, life was set, you know, yeah. clean, off the drugs, off the alcohol, yeah. lost the weight, boxing, Navy. I could even fight in the Navy, I was thinking. Yeah. Like, I could, oh, set. <laughs> Probably a few months from going into training, uh, I go to Thailand with my brother. Yep. As a last little hurrah before right. going to the Navy. Living that clean life for so long, I get G'd up, start drinking at Sydney Airport. Yep. Get two bottles of rum, tax free rum. <laughs> Can't see a problem happening <sighs> here. Mate. Yeah. And again, I was, it was this clean, I was clean for ages. So yep. then I start drinking, start carrying on at the airport, get on the plane, carrying on on the plane, get to Thailand. Just being a dickhead, disrespected the the land of Thailand, the people of Thailand, carrying on like a goose, and I paid a pretty heavy price. We'll take a short break now, and then we'll hear more from Luke. My name is Manny Karoudis, and I'm a former New South Wales policeman turned investigative reporter with a passion for missing persons cases. 
I'm here to quickly tell you about our True Crime Australia podcast, The Missing. In this series, I look at old missing persons cases which have all gone cold in an attempt to try and uncover new information which could help see these missing people reunited with their loved ones or any form of clue that could bring these families closure. The Missing is available now wherever you get your podcasts and early and ad-free on Crimex Plus on Apple Podcasts. Can I can I just read out because I, this good. is what okay sex drugs and a Buddhist monk and I'll just read out uh, how how it's been described. Um, you described it uh, there near fateful trip to Thailand that started debauchery but ended in enlightenment. Um, this is how the book is described: severely obese, depressed, anxious, alcoholic, and drug abuser. And that's probably a nice way to describe you at that stage. Luke Kennedy was trying to get his life together and reset his life when he ventured over to Thailand for one last hooray. He partied hard and overdid it, and his path collided with prostitutes, drug dealers, and violence. This is an action-packed story about a fight to escape violence and deal with a monk that forced Luke to confront his demons. It sounds like the start of the Hangover movie or Hangover Two, <laughs> in the way you described it. Like, and there was actually there was a camera. I got so I took my brother's camera. Yeah, it was exactly this. Like I take, take, took my brother's camera. I went out blind. Come yeah. back. Wake up. It's like four o'clock in the morning. My brother's. Well, this is my camera. I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah, goes, you took my camera. I thought, I don't know, bro. So I'm hung over, like still, still feeling yeah. it. Go for a walk down the street. We go to Macca's. And it was the only food that I wanted. I, you know, I was a bit of an ignorant Aussie back then, just wanted Western food. Yeah, yeah. So we go into the Maccas and everyone's in there looking at us, talking and, and whispering, oh, what's going on here? And I'm like, I think, I've, I think I mucked up. Let's get out of here. The manager comes Manager comes out yeah. and he's got the camera. Right. And I'm like, no way. So he gives me the camera and the, fo- the, and the photos on there. It was, like, it was yeah. exactly the same thing. I've like, still got some of those photos now. Yeah, I definitely won't be showing them. No, that, yeah, it's kept. Yeah, it was kept, kept between but, my brother and I. Your grandkids maybe just before <laughs> you pass away. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that, that day, get, get back on the drink. Score, score some coke yeah. off, off, I don't even know if it was coke, score some coke off this this guy. And I remember arguing with him in the street about yeah. the price. Yeah. Like I was trying to, bar- like I hear, you know, going yeah. over there, you, you bargain, make sure you bargain with people. But yeah. People bargain for DVDs, not, yeah. not you know, coke. cocaine yeah. in the street in the back alley of and Thailand. That's right. So I get the, get the cocaine, cheek it, run back to the room, have some, and it was just this, from there, downed it with some rum, go back out. Blind drunk, blind, yep. blind drunk, and I was like, I was fit at this time. This was when I was bumped. Yeah. I even took my mouth guard there. I thought I was going to train over yeah. there, <clears throat> but then wake up in hospital because during the day I, I hired a, a, a one of the moped bikes. Moped. Yep. That night, Reuben, my brother, when I was blind, he goes back to the room. He's looking for the keys for the bike. Yeah, he couldn't find them, so he takes the helmets, thinking that was going to stop me. Yeah. I jump on. He goes back to his room. I jump. I, I get up. Jump on a bike, take off, or get smashed by like this Ute truck yeah. sort of thing. Break my tib, fib, both bones of my leg, my hip, my pelvis, and my Gosh. jaw. Wake up in hospital. I'm laying in hospital, wait, like still foggy. Like what's going on here? Didn't even know what's going on. People standing around speaking a different language. My brother wasn't there, and they're like accident, accident. Oh, I did it. I did it. So I lift. I lift. I got to lift my leg up because there was all the bandages were around, like down in my shin level. Yeah. 
and I'm like, ah, so I scream and I pull my gown up and my hip was sort of hanging out. They didn't know that I'd broken my hip. Oh. So yeah. I had to go down for another operation. I was terrified. Yeah. By the time I get out of that operation, my brother's there. So we're there for a few days. But before that, I, you know, when I was running amok throughout, throughout the thing that yeah. a, a monk comes back in, in the hospital, right. a monk comes past in the hospital and I had no idea. Like it was, I was sort of trying to find an idea about presence and trying to understand about spirituality yeah. and religion. And I really had no, not much idea, but brought the, the attention as well of, I suppose, showed me through, through just really his energetics and who he like, just his pre, just his. There's a, a there's a different feel, yeah, peacefulness. Just, that's yep. right. Yep. Just being there, start chatting, and I'm shown through you know through his energetics, through a couple of words, through I suppose my own wisdom yep. I was coming to as well, that a lot of the chaos that had occurred in my life and that was occurring was a, a result of me suppressing, not wanting to look out, not wanting to feel, not wanting to admit. My suffering, right? My the darkness, my um, my traumas, my triggers, and my demons. I so I didn't want to look at that stuff. So by doing that, like I said earlier, I'd suppress it through the drugs, alcohol, fights, carrying yeah. on, and that's the stuff that would pop out into fights, pop yeah. out into me getting blind drunk because it was like the, my only way of silencing the demons. Was through the grog a lot of the times, but you know the grog's a depressant. Yeah, it flipped it on its head. So just through a couple of conversations and just sitting in my own sort of, I think as well the the reading bits of the power of now leading up to it as well. Yeah. All these little seeds were being planted. So then it was the idea behind it was to sit and understand with help as well my. My my demons, my my suffering, yep. my inner child stuff, my my insecurities, my doubts, and, and really feel it, my shame, my guilt, and sit in it, own it, own it, um, instead of hiding from it. Yeah, and it was, and it, it wasn't as though as soon as I found that that information or felt that and understood that that that's where life changed. But it was the seed that was planted because coming back from. From Thailand, some other chaotic events happened through Thailand. You know, we got stuck in the country for another ten days yep. because of a political coup and all this stuff. It was just, it was, it was chaotic stuff. But coming back from Thailand, I fell back down. Yeah, I got back on the drugs, back on the alcohol, carrying on, put put put, put fifty kilos back on. Right, so I was back down, back down that deep dark dark hole, and the. We. I, you must have been hating on yourself at that. Hating myself. Yeah, because yeah. I was like, I said, I'd, I'd be doing my sprints every morning. My, my going to the gym. I was. I loved my training. Yeah, I loved yeah. the extreme, the, the being extreme in my training. I loved that. But now bedridden. Yeah. Now started getting blind again. Started carrying on fighting. I had my crutches. I remember getting in a fight with my crutches. I had my <laughs> crutches. That's it. Was yeah. Living with my living with my girlfriend at the time as well. I. One night I got I was on my crutches and I was drinking again. I got up to my bike. I had a motorbike and yep. I put the cr crutches down the side of my motorbike. Jump on yep. my motorbike, going to Star City to meet a few of the boys. Yeah, can't see a problem there. <sighs> Blind drunk on the bike, 
wake up the next morning yeah. at home and I lift my leg up, my foot was still on the, the bed and I looked down and I'd snapped the plate that was in my leg oh. through the opera. I, yeah. I got in a fight or something at the Star City, yeah. snapped the plate in my leg and the, the plate was hanging out hanging yeah. out of my leg. Back to hospital, back to RPA, back into just carrying on and it was and it just snowboarded again or back into the heavy stuff. Mm. But the seeds were planted. I had a taste of what my life was like when I was when I was clear, when I was yeah. looking after myself, when I felt proud of myself. And that little taste, I just had to get back to that, got back into the gym. Yep. My trainer, Al Sykes, the, he's like, you got to get back. I want to yeah. get, get back to the gym because I'd rock up to the gym just to see the boys go, get, get, get yeah. back in the training. He puts me in the state titles. Yep. My first fight back. And I was dead. Like, what are you doing? Like, this is This is – You've got this. You know, this this is for you. Yeah. You've, this is going to get you back, get you back into the gym. Knew I was an, like, and knew that that's what I needed. Needed the goal. That's right. Yeah, that's right. The focus, the goal, and that that state title was amateur title. Yeah, that state title was the same one that my dad and brother won. Oh wow! So okay, that's Talk about uh, pressure. That, yeah, that is pressure. Don't yes. wreck the family name here. That's right. Yeah. And so the first. There was in my weight division. I was a lot heavyweight at that time, yeah. eighty-one kilos. In my division, there was another hottie, like a, a guy that yeah. was that was great. He was undefeated as well. So going into division, he was in a different pool. So it was like over the week at your fight, it's like yeah. Karate Kid kind of thing. Yeah. You know, you fight, and then They'll the next get day, through, get through. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So the first first fight, I I knock my guy out. He does the same. N- another fight to get into the final. Yeah. I knock my guy out in the first round. And I'm sitting down watching his fight. He's not. He knocks his guy out in the first oh, round. Okay, so this stage is, is this set. is build, building up. So then there was a there was a few weeks. It was supposed to be because there were so many people in our division, They'd we couldn't have the final break for the final. Yeah, yeah. and it was at uh, Randwick. Uh, where was it? Rand, the, the, the uni. They've yeah, like a stadium yeah, there. Yeah, and it was a pro am. So it was a big night, a big okay. event. It was big. It was yeah. like great. But leading up to the event, it was it was, it was, it was interesting. Probably I, I still didn't have a date set for the event. Yeah. About a week week before, I didn't know it was a week before, a few of the boys come over and getting on the bags, getting on the coke. I'm standing there and it's all lined out. And yeah. it's like, yeah, you know, oh, no, no, yeah. forget about it. And I was going to have, like, no, 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 I've got my, I was, yeah. so it was still, there was, there was still, yeah. the, that world. That like, temptation. Of, yeah, the temptation was there. Yeah. Like, no, no, I'm not, not, not doing it. And it, doing se- it. it seems ridiculous how hard you've worked to get yourself back to this point. That's right. And you're still. Like that. That's yeah, right. so it, it's that, that demon that's always there. Yeah, yes. So it's like, well, how was, I was 20, 22 at this point, 23. Yeah. And yeah, just trying to find my way out, like into yeah. so. So anyway, so luckily I didn't because then I think it was like the next day or the day after I heard the next weekend's my fight. I was like, cool, beautiful. I'm on. I'm on here. Trained hard. Yeah. And leading up to it, one of the guys from our from our from our crew, uh, Junior Telepal, great fighter. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. He was. Uh, he knew the, the the people from the other gym yeah. that. And they sort of had like a bit of banter, a bit of a even a bet. My boy's going to knock your boy out. And he's going to knock it. So there's all this pressure. So building, building, building. Dad and brother as well. Don't let the family yeah. down. They'll yeah. tell me leading up to it. You don't let the family <laughs> yeah. down. So, but stage was set for yeah. you know, redemption for my path, for to step up, to yeah. leave it all behind. Rock up to the fight. And like it was a, it was the biggest stadium, like well, not a step, but the biggest event that I'd fight, yeah. fight out. 40. Yeah. yeah. Before the fight, I'm sitting there in the change room. We all weigh in, have a look at the guy, you know, all the stuff that yeah. goes through your head. Yeah. Sitting there and technically 
he was a he was a better fighter than me. Yeah, he was a he was a he was technically a great boxer, really yeah. great boxer. I was, I suppose, in terms of fighting, I, that, that's where I had my strength, yeah. stepping forward yeah. in fighting. So, and my dad would say, in boxing, you 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 know you you punch a, a, a you punch a boxer and you box a puncher. In terms yeah, of if good, it's good if, the, yeah, if you're, yeah, yeah, that's right. If you're a fighter and he's a boxer, you got you got to yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. He probably said it better. Anyways, so the night my dad's sitting there, my, my dad's sitting there in the in the change rooms, and my brother's there as well. My brother was in my corner that night. My dad's like sort of massaging my shoulders, and he goes, yeah. "Look, look, Ruben, my brother, look what we're doing. Like your brother's about to fight in the state title. Look at what, how good is this? This is." Like, and brother's like, this is this is what it's all about. This is great. Feel this. Yeah. And then my dad would go and get family members and friends and bring them in and inch, like his, yeah, his mates. So all, like, this is my boy. Yeah, you know? so proud. Of it was you. the best. Yeah. Just got back from obviously Thailand was six months before, eight months before. So I'm turning. So walk out, looking out to the fight. <sighs> the the smoke machines and yeah. it was massive. It was great. <laughs> all, all the pressure. Our guy juniors calling out to them. We got you in yeah. there, calling out to us. We're getting the ring. The stage is set. The first round, I f- I f- he was strong. I felt his strength, and yeah. he and he, I had him backed up on the ropes. And I went through a shot, and he went bang and bu- and broke my nose. Yeah. And the first time I felt some, and my my like the the thoughts jumped in. He's better. He's stronger. Yeah, he's, it's good. Like, play play with your oh, mind. What? Yeah. So I'm pushing that aside. Get to the get back to the. Uh, the corner after the round, my brother's like, come on, brother, like giving me a bit of a game yeah. plan. Walk back out there. I win the second round easily. So the stage, it was th- three rounds. Yeah. Whoever wins the last round wins Got the fight. It. I'm spent at this time. Like it was, it was leading it's into the- th- Ridiculously <sighs> exhausting. Oh, what? Yeah. It's, it takes everything. It takes yeah. f- the depth of all energy, all soul, all spirit, all, everything. Yeah. My brother, it was like a movie. He's like, do you want this? you got to come on, please, bro, yeah. please. He's begging me. Beg- yeah. We'll go out and get it. So I walk out there and whoever wins the last round wins the title. So we're into it. Probably about a minute into the round, uh, the ref breaks us up and I throw this right hand to his body, drops his hand, and I'll come over the top with the right hand yeah. and just drop him. Beautiful. <sighs> that feeling, the, and my nose is bleeding from the broken nose. The yeah. ref pushes me to the side. I walk over and he takes a knee. And he gets up like he was a machine. He, was, he gets up. But then we'll go back in, I throw this overhand right and just land it. And his eyes are on the back of his head and he tries to grab hold to me. Ref jumps in, stops the fight. Beautiful. I, I get goosebumps now, feeling that. I throw my mouth guard, run over to my corner. My brother's hugging me, win the fight, walk out. My dad's there, yeah. give me, gives me this hug. I'm bleeding on him. Walk back to the – it was up until this point, it was – yeah, probably one of the best moments of my life. Well, I, I'm getting goosebumps with you telling the story because what you've come from and, mm. and to that that point, it's it's quite amazing. Thank you. Yeah. Yes, I can see why you uh, yeah you reflect on it. We'll take a short break and then we'll talk about Luke's turning point. Access a world of true crime podcasts on CrimeX Plus, where award-winning journalists take a deep dive into unsolved cases. Every week, we're waking up to a dead woman, a dead mother, sister, auntie, grandmother. It's not good enough. From the team that brought you The Teacher's Pet, Shadow of Doubt and Dying Rose, unlock early, ad-free and bonus content from brand new series and flagship shows such as I Catch Killers with Gary Jubilin. One was shot in the mouth and I thought he was dead. Another one had been shot with a shotgun and I got the overspray. Search for CrimeX Plus on Apple Podcasts to start digging deep into the world of true crime.
So was that the at that point that's your turning point? Yes. Okay. Yes, then I got deeply into my my spirituality. Yep. Into Eckhart Tolle was a significant yep. man that that changed my life around. Got into a book like and a of, like a philosophy that he would uh, you were saying before. Living in the in the moment, basically. Living in the moment and understanding, like becoming extremely self-aware of yeah. the labels of the identity, the false self, yeah. and it's the teachings that I, when I when I speak it to yeah. to students, I talk about, you know, I don't know if I'm jumping ahead here, no, but no, you're right. talk about you know through 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 slides I'll show yeah. this and through my story because although I don't glorify my my story, it's great to talk my story because it gets the connection, but then I'll weave the messages of the, the self-awareness throughout. I I believe the, the best communicators or people educators are the ones that have a story that get people's interest and then the message flows on. Dang. Yeah, that, nice. that's definitely the way it's got to be done. I was looking through uh, I was looking through notes there because uh, there was one thing that I picked up in your book and I think, again, just a simple philosophy and it was uh, Jane, your uh, uh Jade. Jade, sorry. Yeah. You're, uh, Did I say Jane? I might have changed the name. You might have changed the name. Yeah. I've done that in my books. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so don't, don't blame me. It was your fault. <laughs> okay. Um, for the greater good. And it was a simple thing of you walking along the street in your, all your arrogance and, and just don't give a fuck about anyone and – you throw your rubbish on the ground, and she stopped and picked it up and put it in the in the bin. And what did you do that for? For the greater good. Like, yes. explain the the thoughts behind that, because it I, it just jumped out at me when I was uh, reading. Yes, yeah. I haven't thrown a piece of rubbish on the floor since. I'm not going. Yeah, I used to. Yeah. I, like, yeah. It was like, who cares? It's a bit of rubbish. It was like yeah. not a big deal. But I threw this rubbish. I just met Jade yep. uh, at personal training college. Right. So I met at personal, and we started connecting, and yep. and. I threw the rubbish on the floor. I remember walking with her and she went up and was, she gave me this look of like, it was like a shock. Yeah. And picked it and I was like, what are you, what's up? Relax. And she threw it in the bin. So what did you do that for? She goes, well, it's, it's for the greater good. I said, well, what do you mean? She goes, well, it's taking things away from you. It's, it's for a greater purpose. Like throwing rubbish on the floor it might not impact you, but it's impacting other people. Yeah. And that was, I was like, well, this chick's like an angel. <laughs> what do you mean? Like, I'd never heard of that, yeah. that sort of stuff because everything was about self. <laughs> yeah, but it's such a strong, simple message. And I, I think that some some of the simple messages have the most power in them and like that because that just sort of, with all the stuff in your book, that just jumped out and gone, oh, yeah, that's pretty cool. So thank yeah. you for mentioning that. Yeah, yeah. that's great. No, I, I thought it was uh, definitely something uh, something worth to to mention. And I'd, I'd like to mention as well. Sorry for yeah, going no, in. Please, the two guys, you know, taking it back to the stabbing. Yeah, the, what, what happened there? So all this time later, yeah, we've connected online. Yeah. and and we're cool. Yeah, <laughs> you stay in contact with. Yeah, so, they killed me, but we're all cool. They've they're doing great. They they're just. You know, back then they were living with their masks on. They were trying to impress other people. They were trying to, but now all these years later, them being themselves, me being myself, yeah. have connected on a deep level. That's that's very one of them in particular. The other guys, yeah, we've. But there's there's a lot of uh, power in forgiveness, isn't it? Oof. And uh, if you hang on, you could have, and that's probably yeah demonstrating most how you how you've changed. You could hang on to that anger, and the old you, the wrecking ball. Let's call you the wrecking ball. I want revenge. Yeah. yeah, how dare they do that? And the fact that you can communicate with them, and you real, you probably all realised how stupid you were 
for the situation to get to the point that it did then. So That's right. again, a, a powerful message. So in terms of uh, messages, you're doing a lot of work and uh, talking at uh, schools and, and different things and the keynotes. Tell, tell us about that, what you're doing there. Yeah, it's something I never thought I'd I'd do. I suppose I, I used to be pretty socially awkward speaking to people that I didn't really know, yeah. even starting the personal training the night before a new session. Sorry, you brought up something else I read with the personal training. You just didn't know how to communicate with people. That's right. Where, where this was your career you were forming once you turned your life around and you were so intimidated by telling someone how to do an exercise. And I'm sitting here looking at you now, how you're communicating, how well you're communicating and think how much you've changed. Thank you. So that that was uh, uh, on your uh, the fitness leaders course or the, the course that you were doing. Just a simple um, practical exam of showing or exercise, showing someone how to do an exercise, and you got nervous about it. That's right. I, fa- I failed. Yeah. I, I was supposed to demonstrate an exercise in front of the class. The night before, I couldn't sleep. I rocked up at the the, the college and demonstrated, and I was just stuttering. I was red, I, and I was com- it was hopeless. I, was, I didn't even uh, explain anything. Yeah. So I failed, and I was going to. Uh, quit, quit the course. I, I think a lot of people can relate to that. If it's something terrifying, if you, you're speaking, you're nervous, and it compounds it, doesn't it? Oh, for like, sure. You just think you get further in your head. And listening to this type of stuff you've talked about in your life leading up to that, that's where uh, I, I was reading that and thinking, you're kidding. Like, you know, you're, you're going down the street fight, you're doing this, you're doing that, all this crazy stuff, and that's what sort of really hit you. Yes. But anyway, we're, we're distracted. I just had to, had to bring that up. So with the uh, what you're doing with the um, talking and uh, the- cool, yes. Just firstly, yeah, with the personal training as well. One other thing that impacted me from my past as well in when I started the personal training, asking for money, like being being yeah. in sales, because in the past, if I was getting money, it was through wrongdoings or through size yeah. and or growing up, my dad, anyone like. They're con man, people asking for money, con man. Like, so I had this conditioning. Ah, right. Okay. This conditioning. And anytime I'd say how much, my, I couldn't say how much my, I'd have to email or text it because I couldn't verbalize it. I, it was, and that's a big, been a big one that I've had to really work through yeah. my association to being open to receiving money for, for that's interesting. my worth. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. So back to the, back to the students. I, I was, after the Stabbed Ego was released in 2014. A school teacher read the book and contacted me and asked me to come speak to the students. I said yes, and I had a few weeks or however long to prepare, but I even had the email drafted to pull out. Yeah. Terrified. But looking into what helped me and the growth that I had and the, I suppose, the the mindset stuff that, that helped me, I was like, okay, how can I work that into my story? How can I do it? So I rehearsed and I read through through Google about how to become a speaker and what you should do. And they're yeah. like, D- just speak from the heart. Just don't rehearse. And I'm like, how am I going to speak to the heart if I'm shitting myself? You know? yeah. So, yeah. so I rehearsed word for word. I, I yeah. got it down pat. Rocked up to Hurstful Boys, spoke, and it went amazing. And from yeah. there, it just took off. So what I do during the talk I show, I'll start off with a with a, with a a big story just to get the connection. Yeah. And then I show uh, how when we come into this world, we're our true self with unlimited opportunities, potential, creativity, op- peace, love, joy, whatever we want to achieve when we come into this world, who we all are deep down, our true self. I said, but unfortunately, as life goes on, we get disconnected from that true self. You know, some things may happen to us while we're growing up. 
we may just do some things ourselves, maybe embarrass ourselves, maybe feel guilt about something, maybe, you know, we've whatever, made mistakes that take yeah. us away from our true self. People might label us with certain things, call us things, limit us. But the biggest thing that takes us away from our true self is what's going on up in our head. So I show them through the story and through through slides and examples how throughout my life, throughout childhood to teens to manhood, how it became how the tr the true self morphed into that uh, fighter, dumb, yeah. leader, criminal, fat. And it yep. just created the false identity, the false person who I thought I had to live up to. And I show them the balance between what I was doing there as opposed to yep. what I knew I should be doing, what I felt deep down, what I should be doing right. in that constant battle. And then I showed them how understanding the labels, I could finally start to get rid of them. Because getting rid of the fighter one, I'd attract it thinking I was that fighter, I'd attract a fight in my life every couple of days. Because yeah. when you think you're this person, you you know, you get the bias, you wanna you wanna step into that person and you wanna get get the confirmation of that person. So you look at people, you attract things. Yeah, but getting rid of that, you know, I really haven't even been into an argument really since. You know, it's, it, it's so powerful, isn't it? Yeah, Sim simple things, so powerful. But, yes, uh, I I could only imagine, like I'm I'm spellbound sitting here listening to your story. How kids would find that, or young students, young young adults would find it. So it's it must be, make you feel good because I'm sure you're making a difference with a lot of people. Yes, it's been. It's been it's been big. It's been a big six six seven years of speaking and the messages I received. You know, there's a mix though. There's, you know, because I get the connection, they're confident enough to speak to me. So I speak yeah. through some successes, but also some through some you know acute suicidal thoughts and actions. Yeah. So it's but I'm there for all of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's and the fact that it starts with a book and the teacher reading it and it flows mm. on from there. It's almost like it's meant to be, isn't it? I agree. Yeah. So um, if people wanted to get in contact with you. Leave what? me alone. No. <laughs> I'm, joking. Been I'm, I'm only joking, mate. <laughs> That's good. No, my, my, my Instagram, Luke's Kennedy, L-U-K-E-S, Kennedy. Okay. That's about it. All right. Well, look, I've really enjoyed our chat, Luke. I, I, I knew I was going to the moment we sort of connected and uh, reading your books, and I'm just so glad. And that is the heading for that book, Sex, Drugs, and a Buddhist Monk. That grabbed me just as I'm... What's that about? Okay. <laughs> so good stuff. All the best for the future and uh, congratulations on turning your life around and really uh, you know, making society a better place and uh, you know, getting at those kids early and spreading this message. I think it's really powerful. So good on you. Thank you, mate. I appreciate you and this opportunity. Thank you, mate. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this episode. We'll be back next week with another interesting guest, but make sure you subscribe and turn on notifications so you never miss a new episode. If you want to get in touch with the show, email iCatchKillers at truecrimeaustralia.com.au. You can also find us on Instagram at iCatchKillers and join the iCatchKillers Facebook group to stay in touch.